0: Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Thomas Watson. I am the Enterprise Trucking Expert here at Freight Waves. And it is another wonderful episode of our Freight Waves uh, Fireside Chats. And so we, we don't have the fire yet. We're working on that. But, you know, the net zero carbon folks said too much carbon. So we're not doing that yet. But uh, so joining me is going to be uh, Sam uh, Abidi. I'm Southern. So if I mess up names, just yell at me. Uh, and then with Embark and then John Cox with DHL. Uh, And what we're going to be doing is talking about uh, scaling autonomous trucks for commercial operations. I mean that's going to be the big thing. And so, for you know a little bit of background, John and Sam, let's let's do a quick intro as well as what's some of the background experience uh, that y'all are bringing to the table.
1: Yeah, no, nice uh, nice to be here. Sam Abidi, I'm Embark's uh, Chief Commercial Officer. Been with the company for two years now, mostly focused on essentially interacting with the freight ecosystem, so OEMs, Tier ones, carriers, shippers. Uh, essentially getting them up to speed on how autonomy works. Uh, before this, I did a number of years uh, serving the defense space, management consulting, uh, grew up a long time automotive buff as well.
2: Yeah, and uh, my name is John Cox. Uh, I'm a senior director with our solutions design team for DHL Supply Chain North America. I run our transportation network design team. Um, been with the company, uh, it's my second stint. I got about a combined 12 years with DHL. Um, mostly doing solution design. I've been a transport guy my whole career, so um, you know, started off in operations, moved into this role. So I've got a lot of background from a from a carrier standpoint, right? But also understanding what our customers need in the market. So it's been a it's been a good compliment to the expertise over on the embark
0: side. And talking about this this team up, you know, it, it's not like a crossover episode. We're like committed for the full seasons here you know, talk a little bit about what what came to be, what kind of uh, led to the partnership, and then what does the partnership currently look like?
2: Yeah, so um, our president of Transportation for North America, Jim Monkmeyer, visited uh, Embark's headquarters out in the Bay Area uh, in spring of 21. Um, And I think he got a demo. Jim loves the demos, right? So he's never going to turn down (laughs) a demo. Uh, I don't blame him. It's pretty cool stuff. So uh, you know, I think we started to work in earnest after that. We joined the uh, uh, provider partnership program, right? Uh, development program, excuse me. Um, and, and, you, know, you know, we're working with a lot of different providers in this space. And each of them has kind of a general approach that's similar, but everybody's got their own niche. And I think what attracts us to Embark is you guys are, you know, you're not thinking, you know, you're OEM agnostic. You're thinking about what are those little nuances that we need to take into account in order to make this a commercially successful solution, right? And so... Um, I think it's good to learn from you what you guys are doing to address you know, the mundane things that I think people don't really think about, but are uh, you know things we need to worry about, right? If you get pulled over, an autonomous uh, pro- uh, vehicle gets pulled over by motor car- carrier uh, enforcement, how do you handle that, right? Uh, and you guys are the only ones out there actually demonstrating that. So,
1: Yeah, no, on our side, the partnership made a ton of sense because of the breadth of DHL's different business units. Whenever we look to add someone to the partner development program, it's highly based on how much can they teach us and across what different areas. And if you think about someone like DHL, they have everything from truckload to LTL to their international experience to even air freight. And all of those different business units have given us input that's allowed us to kind of make our product better such that it actually can fit in to the the freight network that is existing. Because we effectively have to adapt to how things are done today. Um, and DHL has got a level of diversity there that's kind of unmatched relative to our uh, our other partners. So we've we've appreciated the, the perspective.
0: And kind of like where the, the rubber beats the road, metaphorically here, quite literally, when we're testing this, uh, I remember we had a conversation a while back on <laughs> DHLs, the campuses, and how operationally autonomous trucks fit in. Could you all talk about a little bit about, for folks who are not as familiar with autonomous, what's the current usage, how do we currently implement them, and then what do you think we and maybe implement them in as we learn more about the you know software and product.
1: Yeah, I can give a quick overview of kind of how we think about the rollout and then that'll actually dovetail well into the campuses, which are a really good early use case. Um, so when you think about autonomous trucking, the the real secret sauce here is finding a very limited use case in which you deploy it so that it's relatively easy to develop the technology. And so if you start to think about that, you obviously don't wanna be running all around town Uh, Instead, you want to be on highway and you want to minimize your time running around town. And you want to when you leave the highway, you want it to be for a level of volume that's worth figuring out how to drive that non-highway component. And so what you end up looking for are large warehouses that see a ton of volume through them and being able to move between two points that fit that criteria. Um, Examples of this are LTL terminals uh, or Truckload carrier terminals that have a tremendous amount of volume in major markets like LA or Dallas, uh, and then one of the interesting examples of this that people don't often think about a lot are these DHL campuses, which uh, which is something before we joined the partnership we were not familiar
2: with. So yeah, exactly, and I think that's a, that's a great point, Sam. So for us, what's really attractive about this hub hub concept is. Um, you know we run uh, roughly 500 locations here in North America for our customers and <clears throat> those are uh, you know put in strategic locations and campus locations you've mentioned and we're always looking for ways for us to uh, sell additional transportation services for those customers, right thinking about ways that uh, we can provide capacity solutions for, you know, their longer haul freight, how we can improve service levels, you know, obviously improve costs. And so the hub to hub network makes a lot of sense for something like that. Right. And in addition, you know, we run uh, local and regional dedicated fleets that could provide uh, the solution for those first mile and last mile drainage solutions. Right. So I think it's very complimentary, not just from a real estate footprint, uh, and you know what our cost our customers are looking for, um, but also our ability to you know support that
0: network infrastructure with
2: their own trucks and drivers.
0: Well, I like the scale aspect. I, I tried doing hub and spoke with trucking, but they say random point to point, and it's just kind of sporadic. So they didn't want to commit. But that was my passion project. So looking at autonomous, you know, with DHL's LTL footprint in the hub, is that kind of the opportunity where? The testing—if it works—you automatically have the resources because you have the local drivers or you have the long haul that you can quickly implement it as you're testing the
2: product. Yeah, I think that's the dream, right? So uh, within our network, like I said, we uh, run—you know—roughly 2,000 power units across the country. Um, You know, we're active in each of these campus locations, and you know, we would be able to support that, right? That would fit into our existing operations, and obviously, we're interested in that. But you know, you mentioned LTL carriers, right? Obviously, we're not an LTL carrier, but I think we're. Where I personally see this taking off is, you know, those LTL carriers, they already have a lot of this infrastructure in place themselves. And, you know, if you're any familiar with the LTL industry, anybody that has a a slightly better cost and a slightly better service is going to win market share immediately. Right. So it's going to make a lot of sense for those players in the industry. And I think they're going to be the early adopters here, but also folks like us who have this footprint, we're looking to expand, share a wallet with our warehousing customers and have a unique transportation uh, solution for some of those customers who we don't have a transportation relationship with today.
1: Yeah, and I'd add, you don't want to underestimate just the fact that DHL has the real estate. So it's one thing to have to show up to a uh, arbitrary or random real estate site, but having one where it's with a partner that you can plan today, what the site actually needs to look like, Where do you enter it? Where does it park? Where does a yard hostler, for example, hop in and drive the truck around? Where does it get prepped for launch? All of those are decisions that need to be made well in advance. You can't just show up on day one, make that with a partner, and then launch next week. You need quarters of lead time where you're talking and thinking and planning. And so what we've spent a lot of time doing is going through these different facilities and saying, this one's well-situated, this one not so much, and let's try to rank them on which ones are best, and then let's set out
0: on preparing those sites. Well, I think operationally, that was the cool thing that you got to hit on was addressing operations first. How, you know, how does it deal with events as well as, you know, not only weather, but where are you are going to park, where are you going to move in? What are some of the interesting operational challenges you all discovered or things that you were able to, to build on as you're building this? What are some of the big focuses operationally? I'm used to seeing with Autonomous, I see the Skynet view, kind of like Terminator, <laughs> where you see the stuff coming. So a lot of folks haven't spoken to ops, what are some of the cool things that you all have put up with these initiatives?
1: Yeah, I'm happy to talk about one, so pre-inspection. Right now, there's obviously a regimen for how a driver conducts pre-inspection on a regular class eight truck. Um, That same process for an autonomous truck looks quite different. Uh, You've obviously got your base truck, but then you've got to check your sensors, your compute, you've got to check back with base. Uh, that takes a little longer to do and it's a little bit more intricate. And one of the things that we've worked with, with DHL is actually figuring out how long does that process take? How do we build that into the time for the full delivery? And how much does it vary? Does it Because we're introducing a new step into the process. And so with a lot of the loads that we run kind of week in and week out, um, that's some of the data that's being collected, fed back to DHL. We're getting feedback from them on, this is too long, this is, this is just right, the variance here is high, uh, things like that. Yeah, and, and you can imagine, right? These are some of those little things that are
2: just so important to make this viable commercially, right? Um, you mentioned the Skynet view. I think that's what everybody's seeing the YouTube videos, right? A lot of the promotional stuff. Um, the stuff that's not as sexy as the stuff that's going to make this successful in the long run. It's the stuff you mentioned, Sam, it's, you know, making sure that we have a thorough pre-trip and post-trip inspection when there isn't a driver in the vehicle, right? How do we do that? How do we pre-certify the load so that we can bypass the waste stations on the highway, right? Um, and and then also have contingency plans in place for when something does go wrong with an autonomous vehicle. And uh, Embark's working on all of this stuff, right? And I think that gives us a lot of comfort as a partner to know that they're thinking about this. We're asking about this as an operator, right, that needs to take care of our customers. They're taking care of us by making sure that they're checking all those boxes as well.
0: And that's kind of like closing reliability because if you're having the warehousing space, you're having the shipping, you're managing all of these different processes, you need predictability, Because you don't want to have, from my experience, being late and then have Mm -hmm. it late due to other systems. And so kind of looking at, um, you know, looking at the modes and stuff, trying to become like a leader in uh, the autonomous space and even like long haul trucking. Have you noticed there's any differences between the different, uh, you know, types of the supply chain using it? Because I know for sure, from my experience, long haul Mm trucking is like, well, let's just wait and see. Uh, we we have done the same thing for like 20 years. So, <laughs> you know, what are what are some of the big changes or big notices as you're learning and looking forward for to you as
1: far as the different. Yeah, no, absolutely.
0: Houses. Yeah. Happy to take that one. I, I mean, I think you know where this makes
2: the most economic sense is in the long haul space, right? I think the hub to hub concept is built specifically around addressing those needs. Obviously, you know, we need to get the regulatory bit figured out um, so that we can run those uh, those full networks. But, you know, that hasn't precluded, you know, partners like Embark from building a network, right? And, and starting to connect those lanes where we can today with autonomous, right? And I, and I think that, um, you know, long haul makes a lot of sense just because that's where it's hardest to hire drivers, right? Um, That's where the capacity challenge has been most acute over the last few years, right? Um, And quite frankly, there's a lot of volume to be met there. So I I mean, that's where I see it having a big play, but it could also be uh, an important part of regional networks as well, right? So you could have Um, You know, most of the companies in the space, they're doing the Texas Triangle solution down uh, between San Antonio, Houston and Dallas. Well, I actually see that as a commercially viable solution going forward. Just because that's intra-Texas doesn't mean it's not a good fit for this type of solution. There's plenty of volume. And again, you're getting a service benefit. You're getting a cost benefit.
0: Final thoughts here on deployment timelines. Depending upon who you ask, some autonomous folks will say move fast and break things or we'll go with condiments thinking fast and moving slow. What are we looking at on a timeline in terms of uh, before uh, deployment? Is this something we should be looking at in the next five years, 10 years, 15 years, or is it almost an infrastructure and regulatory thing as well that we're gonna have to start paying attention to as you all are collecting data and getting comfortable operationally?
1: Yeah, this is obviously the question everyone asks. I think the thing that's important here is that it looks less like an iPhone launch where on one day it's not available (laughs) and one day it is available. And a lot of people are kind of conditioned to that type of product release. But this is going to be a dissipation across the network. And so I think in the next five years, you're seeing this deploy on meaningful lanes in the US. And if you're a carrier or a shipper, it matters a lot in certain parts of your network and it is not present in other parts. And so it really comes down to the specific lane, the specific type of movement that you're doing—is it LTL, and therefore there's high volume—and so it's made sense to potentially map that in. Is it from one of these, uh, one of the centers that's been added, and therefore you can you can launch from there? But then there's going to be entire other parts of the network where it's it's not a factor. And then over time, that rate that ratio is essentially just going to be shifting. But I think it is in the next five years, and it's going to that shift is going to be still happening in ten. It's going gonna, it's gonna to seem like it takes forever to come along, and then it's going to happen all at once.
2: I mean, I really do believe that. And 10 years from now, we will not be talking about autonomous trucks as if it's anything special because it'll just be part of the industry. And that's why we're working with folks like Embark. We know that we needed to understand this because it's going to be a big part of our path going forward.
0: Thanks so much, gentlemen. A little bit of extra credit here. I know the timer is running down like a football game, but if they want to reach out and find out more, what are the best way to contact you? both respective companies.
2: Yeah, you can go to DHL.com for us and for Sam.
1: Yeah, Embark.com or Sam at Embark. Perfect.
0: Well, that's going to be it. That's going to be a wrap for today. It's blinking. We have made it to the finish line. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you. It's Thomas Watson here.